0: I would venture to say that I'm not the only preacher in the building that has favorite books in the Bible, favorite chapters in those books. And personally speaking, Genesis 35 has always been very intriguing for me because when I read these 29 verses, as I have hundreds of times, it becomes very obvious to me that where we as the church find ourselves in this season The parallels to Genesis 35 is so undeniable. The chapter begins by God coming to Jacob, telling Jacob to arise and go to Bethel. And while you are at Bethel, God tells Jacob to build an altar. And then God makes the statement after he tells Jacob to build an altar. He says, it is at Bethel that I appeared unto you when you fled from your brother Esau. So this is not Jacob's first encounter at Bethel. It's not his first trip to Bethel. In fact, you will remember, most of you, that when he was at Bethel, it was after deceiving his father for his brother's birthright and blessing. It was after he ran from his home and before he met Laban, he wound up at a place called Bethel. And there at Bethel, he took a stone for a pillow. And while he slept on the stone, he had a dream. In the dream, there was a ladder that stretched up to heaven where angels were ascending and descending. And in this dream, while sleeping on the stone at Bethel, God told him and gave Jacob a promise that I'm going to bless you with seed you cannot number. It's going to be seed that will outnumber the stars of heaven, the sand on the seashore, the dust under your feet. I'm going to give you a future that you cannot even imagine. And the future is in the promise of seed And children. You cannot look at the word of God and read about children and life and seed without putting on your spiritual glasses and reading it from the lens of the spirit when it's speaking about children and seed. It's always speaking in the term of revival. Soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her. Children, It's revival. So, Jacob, the promise I'm giving you while sleeping on a stone at Bethel is more than just children. It's more than just a future. I am giving you a promise of revival. And it's revival that goes beyond the stars, revival that goes beyond the sand, revival that goes beyond the dust. It's a revival you cannot count A revival you cannot imagine A revival you cannot numerate A revival you cannot fathom And if we who are born again of water and spirit Become Abraham's seed Then we are heirs to the same promise Temple, you better hold on because revival is coming beyond what you can count, beyond what you can imagine, beyond what you can think. God is still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. Come on, it's a revival hell can't stop. It's a revival people can't stop. It's a revival money can't stop. It's a revival families can't stop. It's a revival city can't stop. It's a revival government can't stop. It's a revival beyond what you can imagine. My God if you believe it, you are to clap If you believe it, you are to shout If you believe it, you are to get up and rejoice If you believe it, you are to arise And lift your voice for a confirmation This is what you've been fighting for This is what you've been waiting on This is what you've been praying for This is what you've been believing in This is what you've been expecting Get ready It's coming It's coming It's coming So it was at this moment sleeping on the stone at Bethel that for Jacob hear me for Jacob Bethel became a place of promise. It became a place of prophecy. Not necessarily the fulfillment of it but the promise of it. For Jacob Bethel became the place of what God is about to do. The revival God is about to send. The miracle God is about to do. And Jacob, like many of us, could have stayed in Bethel and rejoiced over what God is about to do. But every now and then, you need to leave What is just a promise And move To the fulfillment Of the promise See people don't want to leave Bethel So all they do is preach about what's coming And sing about what's coming And talk about what's coming But they never get there Because they never leave Bethel In fact, Jacob did just that. He left Bethel, and he left with a promise tucked in his spirit of what God is about to do. The revival God is about to send. And every day of his life, he was testifying to himself, there's a promise coming down the road. He sang to himself, there's a prophecy about to be fulfilled. Year after year after year after year he preached to himself uh, God's about to do it. God's about to send it. God's about to bring it. God's about to make it come to pass. But herein lies the problem because when we arrive at Genesis 35 Jacob is now 20 years removed from the promise. He has lived 20 years of his life talking about what's coming. 20 years of his life speaking about what God is fixing to do. But when God shows up to him in Genesis 35 God tells him to go back to Bethel build an altar again because apparently for 20 years you've been too busy singing your song than building your altar you've been too about what I'm about to do instead of praying it into fulfillment. So hear what the Bible says. Jacob, before he left home, he told his household, he told those that were with him to put away the strange gods. He told them to change your so apparently for 20 years When all you do is talk about it And preach about it And sing about it But you never have it It becomes too easy To start picking up gods And putting on stuff That make you feel like you're there When you're nowhere close to being there And so we got churches that preach Acts 238. And churches that live a godly lifestyle. And churches that keep holiness. But they never have a move of God. They never have revival. Because all they do is talk about what's coming. All they do is sing about what's coming down the road. And you hear me. When you live so long in just a promise. Flesh becomes frustrated. And so you bring stuff into your house that God never intended to be there. And you bring it in to make flesh feel like you're in revival. Come on, so we bring in certain stuff and we allow certain things and we allow certain concepts and attitudes that God never intended to be there and we bring it in because we want revival so much and we put so much stock in revival that we feel like if we're not having it, man talks about us and people put us down. There's a difference in having revival living in just the promise there's a difference in having a move of God that is real and genuine and having a move of God that only appeases flesh so I've watched it across Pentecost I've I've stood back and observed the past 17 years traveling this country and I've noticed that we have changed some stuff that make us feel like we're living in the promise. But we've been 20 years out of the promise. We don't even remember what it felt like. Come on, I'm gonna bring it down home so this is what we do to somehow Build a church and to somehow get people to come and somehow get people's attention. This is what we've resorted to. Bring in some smoke machines. You're gonna get quieter. Bring in some strobe lights. Replace the pulpit with just a little nightstand and and, and just have a little desk area there that that you just talk to your people. But the anointing, Holy Ghost-filled preaching, we don't need to do that anymore because it's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new time. So words that used to fill our vocabulary like travail, intercession, the blood, the cross, Calvary have been replaced by words like favor, prosperity, blessing. And before you prematurely judge this evangelist, I'm not saying you'll go to hell by having smoke machines. I'm not saying you'll go to hell by having strobe lights. But if that's all you rely on, if that's all you trust in, you made a terrible mistake. come on I know from which I'm talking tonight we got churches and people scratching their heads how do we have revival in this this day how do we build a church in this day my God we're groping for everything we read books from people that don't even preach what we believe trying to get advice from them I'm going to tell you what still works I'm going to tell you what still gets the job done if you'll get your nose out of Man's book And get your nose Back in God's book You'll read scriptures that say If my people Which are called by my name Would humble themselves Come on we bring in programs We bring in ideas We bring in agendas How about for once We get back to what Jesus said If I be lifted up From the earth I will draw all men Unto Baby, there's no program that guarantees all. There's no agenda that guarantees all. There's no outreach that guarantees all. But Jesus said, you just get some people lifting me up. I'll bring them all in. I'll bring in the alcoholic. I'll bring in the drug addict. I'll bring in the sinner. I'll bring in the backslider. Come on, I tell you what we need. We need some praisers. We need some handcrappers. We need some aisle runners. We need some tongue talkers. We need some dancers. We need some leapers. We need people who will lift Jesus up. and then, we see it every now and then, we need to take a trip back to Bethel and pick the promise back up and remember the way it felt when we first received it. But you hear me, after you pick it up, don't camp out there because that's not the will of God for us nor for Jacob. Oh God, here we go. So Jacob goes to Bethel. He builds an altar. God shows up. Maybe the reason God hasn't showed up for some of you is because you've tore your altar down. Build the thing back up. We've got to learn how to go from the upper room to the living room. God shows up to him at Bethlehem, at this altar he rebuilt, and God said, "Now, go to Bethlehem, because Bethlehem is where Benjamin is going to be born. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Benjamin had more children than any of the other 12 patriarchs had. Jacob's biggest revival came from Benjamin. But Benjamin's not born in Bethel by living in a promise. He's born in Bethlehem when you go toward the promise. See, hell won't fight you when you talk about revival. People won't get upset when you sing about revival. But baby, when you start having revival... I heard one preacher make the statement, if you want to get hell off your back, just have revival. If you want the devil to leave you alone, just have revival. I thought, man, you're an absolute idiot because if anything brings hell, it is revival. If anything brings the battle, it is revival. That's why it's so easier to talk about it than to have it. I'll teach you a lesson in real Holy Ghost revival. Just, just a 3-minute lesson here at the parable when when the master slept and the Bible said that the enemy came in while he slept and sowed tares among the wheat. And the servant woke the master up and said that, that there an enemy has come in, has crept in while we slept, and he sowed tears among the wheat. Hear me. The servant said, Should we separate it? And the master said, No, leave it alone. Wait until harvest. And at harvest, it will separate itself. You hear me? Not many evangelists will tell you this, but I will. Real Holy Ghost revival is just as much subtraction as it is addition. People with bitter spirits and bad attitudes and wrong mindsets won't hang out when a church is in real Holy Ghost revival. Come on, when a church has real revival, some singers won't be singing anymore and some Sunday school teachers won't be teaching anymore and some preachers won't be preaching anymore. We think revival is fruitful altars and filled baptistry. See, we just want excitement, but we don't want Holy Ghost revival. Yeah. Revival weeds out those who are with us and those who are against us. It not only reveals those who's on our side, it exposes those who have personal agendas. God have mercy. When Aaron and Hur stood up the hands of Moses, it was more than just to encourage Moses. It was to let Moses know who's with me and who's against me. Come on, that's why he stood up and he said, I got one question. Who is on the Lord's side? I know you left Egypt. I know you've been delivered. I know you've been set free. But that doesn't mean you're on God's side. You may have some up your sleeve. We don't want to go to Bethlehem because we've got to sacrifice too much. It was on that trip from Bethel to Bethlehem that the Word of God says Deborah died. Deborah didn't die as long as Jacob stayed in Bethel rejoicing over a promise. But when he went toward that promise, God had to strip some things off of him. And the first one to go was a woman named Deborah. Do you know that the name Deborah means a B? B-E-E of B. What do you get from B? Honey. What's honey for? Us. Honey feeds us. In fact, ask your doctors and they will tell you one good way to cure your allergies is just eat honey from where you're from. Because there's some medical, medical stuff in that honey that heals you and cleanses you and helps you. Honey is about us. Honey is to help us. Honey is to feed us. Honey is to heal us. And the first thing that goes before a church has revival is a selfish mentality. Well they didn't sing my song And they didn't let my favorite singer sing And they didn't let me preach the message And they didn't let me play the music And they didn't put me over the program And they didn't let me do this And they didn't acknowledge me And they didn't pat me on the back You'll never have revival Until you let Deborah die Because Deborah is too selfish I told you you would get quieter. Because we Pentecostals are good about preaching about everybody else. But we don't want to be exposed. There's a song that was popular a few years ago. I. I was never much of a fan for it. If you are, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But, but, but there was just one phrase in that song that never set very well with me. The song went like this. I'm a Pentecostal. I am not ashamed. Read the book of Acts. We are still the same. Okay, so far so good. We worship only one God. Jesus is his name. Amen to that. But here's my beef. We are Pentecostal in every way. Really? In every way? That's a mouthful right there. Because I saw some people singing that to, who's full of jealousy and bitterness and envy. on you lying to me when you say you're Pentecostal in every way dare I I bring it down home yeah I dare I saw some women singing that uh, with cut hair and some makeup and some jewelry don't you be, you're quiet now aren't you don't be telling me you're Pentecostal in every way I've saw people singing that And when the preacher gets up They just sit there and fold their arms And don't say amen Because they're not in the spotlight Don't you tell me You're Pentecostal in every way Come on, every way is in your actions In your attitude In your character In your love In your integrity The number one reason that pastors are given for people leaving their church and going to another church, the number one reason is this. I'm just not being fed there anymore. Wait a minute. You've been in church for 40 years and you still need to be fed? don't feed babies adults feed babies your spirituality should be mature enough by now that you're not the one being fed you're the one doing the feeding I know you are. I know. I had a man walk up to me one night after church, and he said, "Brother Atkins, you stomped all over my toes tonight." But the Carson, you'll get this. The Kenneth Dyson came out in me, and I said, "Well, sir, if you would have been living right, you wouldn't have felt it." See, when did this become about me? Do it for me. Preach to my liking. Sing to my taste. This is not about you. This is not about me. This is about a world that's dying and going to hell. And their only hope is a church. That stops living in just the promise of revival And starts experiencing revival And you won't have revival until Deborah dies The spirit of selfishness Personal agendas have to die Before Benjamin can be born God have mercy. Temperate dies, they bury her and they they walk on with their journey because you gotta keep on walking to revival no matter who leaves you. They kept on walking and just before they got to Bethlehem there in Ephrath, which is the way to Bethlehem. We are told Rachel travailed. And she had hard labor. Because baby revival doesn't come easy. It comes hard. And she... Died. Pastor, get ready to read for me, please. See, Deborah wasn't the only one that had to die. Rachel had to die. Because there was a spirit that Rachel possessed that I tragically am watching growing stronger and stronger in the church today. Yes. We want revival I don't know of any pastor Or any saint Who would dare tell me They are fine without revival But There's a spirit Of Rachel That's in the church And it causes us To camp out In the promise And never live In the reality Watch the words of Rachel, read please.
1: The Bible says in Genesis chapter thirty, starting at verse number one, and when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, yeah. Rachel envied her sister, she envied her, and said unto Jacob, Oh yeah, this is what we like to preach. Give me children, give
0: me children,
1: or else I die,
0: or else I die, because it's revival for survival. We preached that. We, my God, we've licked at candy stripe one side down the other. Give me children or else I die. Don't camp out there. Keep on reading the story. Read on.
1: And the Bible says in Jacob's anger was yeah. kindled against Rachel. Yeah. And he said,
0: he am said, I
1: in God's stead?
0: I'm God's stead.
1: Who hath withheld from thee the fruits of thy womb?
0: Yeah, read on. Here it is. This and is
1: the spirit of Rachel and she said
0: and she said
1: behold my maid behold
0: my maid bilha yeah
1: go in unto go her go in unto her and she shall bear upon my knees
0: and she shall bear upon my knees here it is
1: that i may also that i may also
0: yeah, have children have by her children by her by her you yeah. see the spirit of rachel is one that says yeah i won't revival Just as long as somebody else prays it down. Yeah, I want to move with God. I don't want to go through the travail and pains, and I don't want to go through the labor, and I don't want to go through the nine months pregnancy. And I don't want to change my walk and change my talk because when you're pregnant, you change what you wear, you change the way you act, your attitude changes, your mindset changes, your concept changes. Come on, women, when you're pregnant, your spirit changes. Come on, we want revival As long as evangelist brings it We want revival As long as pastor preaches it We want revival As long as singer sings it No, no, no That stinking spirit of Rachel has to die If we have revival We pray it down We work it up We sacrifice We fight We bleed We sweat We cry Not someone else I I want revival just as long as it fits in my time schedule. Okay, well, if that be the case, you can't have revival in January because you're flat broke from, from December. You can't have revival in February. Everyone's thinking about their sweetheart. March or April may be good years, but then more good months. But then again, depending on where you live in the country, one of those months is spring break, so you can't have revival then. You can't have revival in May because you're having to save money for all the conferences and camp meetings and vacations. You'll take June, July and August. You can't have revival in September. Everyone's going back to school. You can't have revival in October. It's Halloween. You can't have revival in November. It's Thanksgiving. You can't have revival in December. It's Christmas. But I wonder how God thinks. Here's how God thinks. Uh, Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Deborah has to die and the spirit of Rachel has to die. you will never be able to feed Benjamin as long as you're stuffing your own mouth. Now, this is when it gets tight in Pentecost. Up to now, most can respond. But this is when it gets real. Real. Because Deborah wasn't the only one that had to die. Rachel wasn't the only one that had to die. The Bible says Isaac gave up the ghost and died. Can you put that scripture back on the screen please? Because there's one part I did not read that you need to see. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him Isaac cannot be buried by just Esau alone he cannot be buried by just Jacob by himself no it took Esau And Jacob Watch me Jacob is the one That did Esau wrong He deceived Esau Into taking the birthright He lied to his dying Blind Father Take Esau's blessing. You cannot prove to me in Scripture that Jacob was in the right when he did it. Esau was done wrong, and Esau had a legitimate right to be angry. doesn't say Jacob and Esau It said Esau and Jacob Because Esau had to get to a place in his life That he learned The only way Things in my life Can be buried Is when I have A spirit of reconciliation. And I can't reconcile until I learn how to forgive. I know I'm on it. Up to this point, I didn't know if it was individually or corporately, but what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now, I'm not speaking to individuals. I'm speaking to a body. I don't know who did you wrong. I don't know what they did. I don't know how long they did it. Nor do I want to know. But you hear me. This church will stay in Bethel. And you'll shout to a promise of what's coming without ever living in it until you learn how to forgive. You see, the problem in Pentecost is is we can dance behind our singing and we can be anointed behind our preaching. But inside it's full of dead men's bones. I am more convinced that a Holy Ghost-filled Pentecostal people who die and go to hell, it won't be because of alcohol. It won't be because of drugs. It won't be because of worldliness. It'll be because you sit there with the spirit of unforgiveness. And you won't let God change your heart. Because you sit there saying, I'm right. I was the one done wrong. And you may have every right to say that. But who in the world convinced you staying in your unforgiveness pays them back? God, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Who preached to you and told you you stayed in that spirit of bitterness is what pays them back? If you have an alt with your brother. Still in the book. And you take an offering to the altar. You leave it there. You don't pray. You go make things right. Then you come back and I'll forgive you. But come on. Who in Pentecost does that? See, we hide behind our Acts 2.38 preaching, get ready. And we hide behind our long hair. And our long dress. And the fact we've been in church for 50 years. We hide behind all that. As if that somehow validates us for our wrong spirits. See, there was a day when we were wounded, when we were hurt, we took it to an altar. We asked God to clean us. We asked God to heal us. We asked God to help us. But who needs an altar when you got Facebook? We take our Bitterness, we take our unforgiveness to Twitter. And we type in our 160 characters, which only prove we have no character. And we're not looking for all the comments that say you need to make things right, you need to get over it. No, we delete that stuff. We want to read the things that say that's why I left the church. Because we don't want to be healed We want to be validated And we wonder why God doesn't accept our offering Why God doesn't answer our prayers Why God doesn't move in our situations Because God himself said I won't until you make things right first Three years ago, pastor sent me down, told me a story. We had preached for this man a few times, and his main musician, his main singer was the guitar player. And I had noticed through the weeks we were at the church this year, that man wasn't there. So I asked the pastor, What's happened? He said, Brother Atkins, you won't believe it. He said That man started dating outside of the church. And as a stipulation to my leadership on my platform, they're not allowed to do that. So I set the man aside and I told him, look, you're in leadership. And you know I preach against dating outside the church. Pastor said that man said, I'm sorry, brother, it won't happen again. He said it didn't for at least two weeks. Started dating again. He said, I, I brought the man to my office. His, his office was, was behind the platform. And he said, I set the man down and I told him, I said, Look, we've already had this conversation, and I'm going to have to sit you down for a while until you get things right. He said, Brother Atkins, there was a spirit that came out of that man I've never seen. He said, The man stood. He was yelling at the top of his voice. He was throwing things. He was calling me names. He said, the bad part is people were still inside the sanctuary and they heard everything going on. He walked out on the platform, went to his guitar, threw the guitar down in the guitar case, slammed the case and walked outside the church saying, I'll never be back to this church. I said, brother, I can't believe that. He said, brother Atkins, it gets worse. He said, this is what hurt me. He said the man goes on Facebook and starts posting about the new light he's received and the glorious revelations he's got and the walk with God he has now. He said, and this is what broke my heart, some of the comments that he got from the people saying, I'm proud of you, I love you, are the same ones who were in the sanctuary watching the man's attitude. I'll tell you, I feel this right now. I don't care who's left this church and who badmouths this church. If you are a member of Christ Memorial Temple, you have no business validating or even commenting on their media post, whether good or bad, just leave it alone. Jesus said to his disciples If you preach And they don't like it And they don't receive it You wipe the dust off of your feet And you leave Without giving them a second thought That's what Jesus would do I didn't give you this, but give me Proverbs 19. Folks, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. We have said, we have preached, we have taught, we have stuffed it down their throat that a woman's long care is her glory. But here's my question. What's a man's?
1: That's a good question.
0: The only kind of holiness preaching I'm against is when it's sexist.
1: I agree with that, brother. 100.
0: And we say, the women do this, the women do that, the women do this, the women do that. But leave the man alone.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. No, no, no. God is an equal opportunist. So, if woman has a glory, man has to have a glory. So, a while back, I began to search the answer out for myself God, show me what a man's glory is. In my study, hold on, he took me to Proverbs mm-hmm. chapter 19. Don't put it on the screen, he'll read it honest. Verse number 11. Watch what the book says.
1: Proverbs 19, verse number 11. The discretion of a man. Of a what? Of a
0: man. Of a man. Def- the discretion of a man. Mm-hmm. Deferreth his anger. Deferreth his anger. Here it is. And it is his glory
1: to pass over a transgression.
0: A woman's glory is her long hair, Uh but a man's glory is revealed Uh in his forgiveness.
1: That's right, that's right, that's right. And it is is his glory glory to pass
0: over a transgression.
1: That's good, that's good.
0: Because we men are hard on things because we're American. We're warm-blooded. Someone does us wrong, we want to pay them back. God said, Wait a minute. You want some glory? You got to learn how to pass over when someone does you wrong. You got to learn how to pass over when someone lies on you. You got to learn how to pass over when someone cheats you. You got to learn how to pass over when someone misuses you. You got to learn how to pass over when someone talks about you. You got to learn how to pass over. Genesis 37 verse 1 tells us that Jacob dwelt in a land wherein his father was a stranger. I'm going to be honest. I thank God. For the revivals I heard my great grandfather talk about I thank God for the revivals I've heard my daddy talk about I thank God for the revivals I've heard elders talk about But the revival I want Is a revival in which they were just a stranger I want bigger I want greater I want more But we'll never get there Until we let things die We need to pray right now. Everybody in the room, we need to pray right now. Come on, heavily, sincerely. We need to get a hold of God right now. We got to get rid of selfishness, we got to get rid of putting it on somebody else, and we've got to get rid of our. Bitterness and our unforgiveness and our judgmental spirits.